Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. Me, Mo. And me, Pete. Alright. You know, I'm feeling a bit tired today, so I'll leave story time to Moses to to, to start us off today. Alright. So, I grew up in Ghana. Right? <laughs> oh, yes. I'm, I'm Ghanaian. Like, we're all Ghanaian. I grew up in Ghana. And we had this one teacher. Like, if if you know anything about Ghana, even Nigeria, it's like, Africa in Africa general. Africa in general, <laughs> Africa general, in general yeah. Even in school, you will get beaten. That's just right there. Mate, like, this this is like a two-part story, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm in school, and I think it was like geography or history or something like that. Mm. And our teacher gave us a test. The test was at a 10. And the teacher said the pass mark was 9. Now, for every point you get below the pass mark, you're going to get beaten to make up to the pass mark. Not even make up to the pass mark, to make up to the full marks. So if you got seven, you're getting three lashes. Mate, I studied. I put in work, yeah? Results came back. I got four out of ten. <laughs> Lashes right there. Blood. Gosh. I got four out of ten. You know when I saw that paper, yeah? All the blood just drained from my face. I was like, yo. <laughs> and this teacher, yeah, was like the worst teacher that could ever beat you in the entire school. I got four out of ten, so it was six. And I thought I was smart. So I go outside. I fold another pair of shorts, stuff it down my shorts. I was like, yeah, this teacher's not getting me today. So the teacher, I stood in front of the teacher. Teacher got his cane, flexed it a little bit. You know the ones he's trying to install fear? Flexed it, stepped back, with like wiggled his shoulders. But it didn't make the usual sound. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't make the usual sound. It's like, you know the ones where you can tell that, mm, mm. this is not hitting flesh. This guy's padded. It's not. Padded. It was like, poof. Teacher was like, what's in your shorts? Before I could even answer, go take it off and come back. Mate. I could not sit down. I literally could not sit down. I went home. I had to sleep on my stomach. It was so peak. Mm. That's the first part of the story, yeah. But the second part is I came back to London when I was in year eight. When I came into when I came here, got into a school. My first day of the school, I'm sitting in like a maths class and the boys were talking. I went to an old boys' school, the boys were talking. Now, if you know in Ghana, in a school, there's always a class prefect. Yep. And the class prefect has to write down the names of all those who are talking in the class. I classroom. am writing names. I am writing names. If you talk, I'll write your name. And it's a case of if the teacher comes in to a noisy class and the um, class prefect hasn't written down names, 
The prefect will get beaten. Yeah. <laughs> but if the prefect has written down names, yeah. the class is going to be like, you're a snake. No, Why are you no writing down my name? So I'm sitting there thinking, yo, we're on the same wave. Obviously, the class is noisy. Teacher's not here. When a teacher comes, everyone's going to get beaten. So I'm sitting there thinking in my head, hmm, you lot wait until the teacher comes in. You see what the teacher will do to you. Teacher comes in. Students look at the teacher. Continue talking. I'm sitting there like, huh? So is this the life we're living here? I'm used to getting beaten when you man are making noise when the teacher's not in the class. And here you see the teacher with your eyes. Mm. And you just continue talking. Yeah. Ever since that day, my life was changed. <laughs> my life was changed. But yeah, that's the story. So, um, what's the question? Okay, so I think from your story, I think it's very clear to see that one Bible verse that Africans love to use, African parents love to use. Fast, spare <laughs> the rod and spoil the child. I didn't even have to say everyone just knew. And we both say it at the same time. And the thing is, every language that we studied, we, we studied that verse in that language. <laughs> I could say that like I could say that verse in Chi, I could say it in Ga, I could say it in French, I could say it in English. Because <laughs> all the teachers do the same thing. Quote the verse. You quote the verse and then you get beaten. So do you think African parents take it a bit too far with the whole beating thing? Or, or do you think it's enough or not enough? You know, personally, I think especially African the thing is I think there's a there's a there's a bit of a generation problem here. My dad is like 79 or something. Right? My mom is like 60 or something. But their generation, I feel like their generation beat kids with sense. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it was, you know, obviously, you know, it'll be a situation where the parent is angry because the kid's done something wrong. Mm. But they were never beating you to put you in hospital. If that makes sense. Mm. Like... <laughs> It, it it was never it was never that bad. Like yeah, you might you might get hurt. Yeah, you might get you know a few swellings here and there. You might cry for a bit. It was never beating to leave you damaged, right? But and and I hear people talking about this now. Like now, our generation, the younger ones coming out talking about they're going to beat their kids. Half of them are like beating their like thinking of beating their kids to the point of putting them in the hospital. Like, beating them out of anger, pure anger, mm. like, it's bordering abuse. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so, I don't think the African parents of old did it badly. I think they did it with, with some sort of wisdom or some sort of restraint. But I think nowadays, with the newer generations, with people being drunk almost all the time, with people beating kids out of frustration and anger, like, I see some, I see some um, black woman discipline her kid on the bus, and it's like, are you beating the kid or are you trying to kill the kid? Like, yeah. banging his head into the window and everything. Like, Yo. Is this, is, this a, is this a discipline or is this like a gang war? Like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and it's like, I think nowadays people are doing it out of frustration and anger mm-hmm. to the extent of they're not, they're not putting any sense in it. Mm-hmm. They're just hurting people, hurting yeah. kids, um, swearing all over the place. Like, I, ne- my, I never heard my dad swear. And so if he's beating me, it's, it's different than... <sighs> If you're beating me and you're swearing at me, it's like, are we fighting or are you, are you disciplining me? So it's just a bit different. But yeah, I don't know if that answers the question even. But kind of, yeah. yeah. So um, when, as we were raised, like beatings were a way of, of, of like disciplining us. Absolutely. And, and to some extent, I think it worked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
But then do you, do you feel like there's an age where beating stop working? So like parents should have just like given up and just found different methods of... Do you know what? For me, I think when my parents beat me, initially there was a sense of just being frustrated with the beating or just frustrated that they're, they're beating me. But I got to a point where there was, for me anyways, I know that it's not the same with everybody else, but there was like a, a, a level of respect that I actually respected their correction. Where it was like, I know that it was just frustrating and I know that they, I'm like, why are you beating? It's not really going to do anything. But I kind of respected it in the sense that I, I could see their heart behind it. Mm. And I could see the understanding of what they did. For instance, I was in secondary school in Ghana when they just freshly dropped internet caps. I was gassed. I was like, yo, there's an internet cafe. I don't have anything to do on the net, but I want to go use it. <laughs> Everyone had an email address. <laughs> Mate, I didn't have anything to do on it. So I used to live... Um, this is going to make no sense to you unless you actually come from Ghana but my school was in South Odoko I lived in North Kanishi it was very long a very long distance to walk I can't I don't know how long like in actual length but I walked from school home just to save my transport money I'd walk I'd walk just to save the transport money just to save the transport money yeah I walked with one of my boys. We part, went past his house and he said, oh, let me just go drop my bag. So he went home, greeted his family, dropped his bag and then left. Oh, I walked again. past my house. He said, oh, don't you want to go home? I was like, nah, that's long. Let's go. So I carried my bag to the thing. Yeah? I was I was guest. I was like, I just want to go into the cafe. I go there. <laughs> Didn't come home till like seven o'clock. These times I finished school at three. <laughs> As soon as I got home, we lived in a flat. The security guard's like, yo, your parents have been looking for you. Mm. I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> I go upstairs, drop my bag, get changed, sitting there like a good boy. My parents come in. He said, no, nah, they were looking for you. They've driven back to your school. Wow. I knew that it was a rap from them. <laughs> <laughs> it was a rap. They go to my school, come back. My mum came here. I stayed upstairs. I stayed in I stayed in the flat. My parents came back home. As soon as they got home, the security guard told them, Oh yeah, nah, he's home, he's upstairs. My mum got out of the moving car. <laughs> she got out of the moving car, came upstairs and was like, Yo, where did you go? I was like, I went to the internet car. She was like, What? <laughs> I went to the internet car. She was like, Where is it? I told her where it was, yeah. She was like, wait for me. She went into the room. Ha! Like, yo, I remember that vividly. My mum came out. I felt like running, but I was like, no, this is a flat. There ain't nowhere you get. <laughs> you know the ones where it's like, normally your parents would be like, stretch out your hand or hold the table. It's like, nah. Just, just let it rip. Freestyle. Fuck! And then my dad came up. My dad just looked at me. My mum was holding the whip. Looked at my mum and just walked off. 
the next day, yeah, my mum was like, I went to that internet cafe and I told them not to let you in here, in there anymore. And it's like, in my excitement, I had forgotten, like, common courtesy. Mm. And in her beating me, I could fully understand it. Because I was like, yo, she was sincerely worried about me. Because mm. I hadn't been home in four hours when it normally takes you an hour to get home. So she was sincerely worried about me. And there was a mark of, like, gratitude at Ra. She's not just doing this to be mean. But she's actually trying to correct me and actually trying to teach me right. So even though it got to a point where it stopped working, I still learned the lessons from it. But why does worry have to take the form of physical punishment? Because it's frustration. I I don't even think it's just that. I think it's, it's... You, the kid, not recognizing that because anything could have happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could, and and that would probably be a testament in why they went back to school. Like, did he even leave school? Did something happen? Did the car knock him over? Mm. So it's like, at that point, it's hard to explain to a kid that, look, you not coming home makes us worry because we don't know where you are. Blah blah blah. Kids don't really have the capacity to reason and 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 accept and understand. That I went to the cafe. I mean, the thing is, saying it here in this country where two year olds have an opinion and <laughs> you have to listen to it um, is, 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 very, is very difficult. But understanding that at that age, you, you don't, you know, even up to like 10, 11, you don't really appreciate certain things. Mm-hmm. You, you don't appreciate the, the value of, you know, calling home. And, well, we didn't have the capacity to call home, but going home, greeting, so they don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and by explaining it to you, all they have is is a lash, it's a cane, and you understand that going to the internet cafe after thingy re- resulted in me getting beatings. <laughs> so you're not gonna go again. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so um, looking at this in Africa, yeah. and then looking how how people are disciplined in this country or how they're not disciplined in this country. Do you feel that like, as generations go on, people are getting worse and worse behaved? Um, I mean, it's evident, isn't it? Yeah, I believe um, depends on how you view it, but now people um, are being diagnosed with a whole load of stuff mm. that, in all honesty, in Ghana, They'll just say just beat him. <laughs> ADHD, beat him. <laughs> autism, beat him. <laughs> What's autism? I can't say it. Seriously though. It doesn't mean autism. I don't, I don't. ASD is a very broad spectrum. Yeah. So there's, there's like high functioning autism, there's different forms of it. So some forms will just be like, yo, just beat him. But honestly, like Contact seriously. Disorder, yeah. That's seriously. made up something. ODD, oppositional defiance disorder. What? <laughs> this is not a disorder. This, this is not just beat him. <laughs> and it's, it's it's that. And I know that even corporal punishment was big here, back in the day. Yeah. And I know people that generally say that bring it back. These kids need some corporal punishment. Mm. And it's a case of Leah. Don't worry. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> I'm clapping my hands. Um, yeah, so you're not going to say it me. Say not me. 
That's mummy talking, mate. You see the protective mummy talking. <laughs> but yeah, um, I believe that the society we live in now, it's kind of like kids have got all the rights. Mm. And discipline is, is somewhat reduced to the naughty step. Which doesn't really hold much weight nowadays. <laughs> Go sit on the naughty stuff. Alright, cool, I'm going on my tablet. It's 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 crazy because you you speak to some of the older people, some of the older folk, and they'll tell you how bad the situation has got mm-hmm. in especially in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, between respect for elders and, and just discipline in general, just people having manners it's it's you see it on the bus you see it on the bus when kids will come on the bus and then just be like not not caring for the fact that there's another person on this bus that can hear you screaming to your music um and it could be disturbing you know and the levels of discipline and and things like that that are so non-existent can be directly Attributed to lack of beating, the removal of the removal <laughs> of corporal punishment from from society. Like, okay, uh, when we say corporal punishment, what are we talking about? Lashes, beaten, beatings. When when the teacher gets the ruler and then smacks your fingertips here with the edge of the ruler, not the flat part, the edge. You know, the ones there. Mm-hmm. Literally, like beating or physical punishment that inflicted temporary pain uh, as a result of stupidity. Um, I, I can't remember the where I read it, but it was literally when when it got abolished. From then, like you could see statistics of crime and, and um, just general disorders of uh, general social. I think thing. it was that. I think it was Chuck Missler. Well, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. It probably would be as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, literally, you can see these things decline. And, and the Bible doesn't say it lightly. I know people are like, the Bible's archaic and stuff, but for a lot of it, it's principles that can be applied. Yes, there might be alternatives to taking a belt and, you know, beating a child senseless. Luckily, that's this. Now I'm gassed. I'm gassed. I do not want to see any pictures or reports of guys listening to this podcast and taking knuckle dusters. <laughs> um, but there are effective means of punishment and God punishes, you know, God chastises those mm. that he loves. It, it, it's necessary. So It's, um, I don't know, what are you going to say? No, no, no I, was, I was going to ask another question. So. Okay, perfect. So I was going to say, so there's corporal punishment for kids, which is like beings and stuff, and then there's corporal punishment for adults, such as death penalty and whatever that goes I think that's capital punishment. Capital punishment, not yeah. corporal punishment, capital yeah. punishment. What's your, what's your guys' take on capital uh, punishment? Before we actually get to that, before yeah. we get to that, I wanted to... <laughs> Raw layer is going off. Um, it's one thing that I do. You need to help out. Me, that's I think she's she's changing it now. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, Uh, in terms of the Bible, one thing that I like is that it emphasizes 
getting kids or getting your children or getting your offspring or the next generation to know the law, to know his word, mm. to start them off on a path of knowing him. And I see that as one of the benefits of that, or one of the main benefits of that is they start to develop a fear of the Lord. Mm. And in developing a fear of the Lord, it's a case of fear isn't a sense of I'm terrified of God, but I'm in awe of his majesty and his wonder. And that helps in, it forms like a foundation. God himself becomes a foundation upon which you can build and start to mould character within mm. your children. Mm. And they no longer do good because they're afraid of getting beaten. Or they're afraid of um, what might happen, repercussions. But they do good because they've encountered such a wonderful God. So why do you think it goes wrong? Where like I'm, I'm reading First Samuel lately, mm-hmm. and like if you look at Eli, Eli mm-hmm. was calling cool, it Eli's sons, not so much. They look at Samuel, Samuel's cool, Samuel's sons, not so much. Yeah. So even though. They've gone through that process mm-hmm. of like learning who God is. They still go down that wrong path. Why do you think stuff like that happens, even when they've been so close to close it's, to God? Um, <clears throat> from looking at, I won't be able to give actual just reasons based on what they um, based on them because it doesn't really give much detail. But looking at modern day families and like pastors and stuff, one thing that stands out to me is. Sometimes there's an expectation placed on the children to be a certain way and to look a certain way. And that expectation in and of itself can be too much for them to handle, which makes them just deviate. Mm. There's an expectation from the time you're born, because I am the pastor's son, I need to be upright, standard citizen, not knowing that I'm struggling with this. But everyone just expects me to look like this, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And the weight of that alone is enough to make someone buckle. And because they're in a house where they're like, oh, my, fam- my dad's the pastor, they kind of ride off their father's relationship with God. And you say, who are you talking to? My dad's the pastor. <laughs> you know the ones there? Um, and this is a generalization. And it's, it's, I know that there are pastors' children who actually are walking with the Lord and stuff like that. But... In most cases that I've seen, it's like they've they've kind of taken it easy because of that. And they haven't actually, they've kind of taken it for granted based on how much they've been exposed to the whole situation. And plus, there's a lot of ministers and stuff who prioritise their quote-unquote ministry over their family. Mm-hmm. So they go out and do quote-unquote the work of God at the expense of their family. Even though your family's supposed to be your first, first ministry. ministry. Yeah. So, um, I've heard of ministers getting divorces simply because they're not always they're not at home. So the wife's like, Why am I going to be if you're not really at home? Uh-huh. You're not you're out doing everything for everybody else, but you're not taking care of the family. And there needs to be that balance, there needs to be that investing and sowing in your children, not so they can keep up appearances not so they can look a certain way but genuinely that they may know God 
because that that is essentially what you you should be doing with your congregation mm. and as, as we just mentioned your family is your first ministry so if you want your congregation to know God you should want your family to know God but you shouldn't want them to just have God forced down their throats but rather to come into a personal relationship with them and I think we can get swept away with all that we need to do and forget about our family or we can just expect our family to just step up and be where we need them to be at and because of that we can neglect where they're struggling and neglect to hold them up and that contributes to them departing and just doing other things and not really wanting to be who they ought to be in Christ so they might turn to drugs or something like this or something else just to be able to alleviate the pressure and you get a pastor whose son is a crackhead or something like that I'm not saying well there might be some out there but I'm just saying <laughs> like it's, it's tangible things like this kind of lead the children of prominent people well, yeah prominent individuals to just stray and with, uh, with Eli like the Bible talks about the fact that he honoured his sons more than he honoured God um, and it's been interpreted that he wasn't disciplined in his sons which is why they kind of went astray um, so I think yeah there, there's that element of there needs to be that discipline there needs to be um, a, a way of getting that discipline in there because you know you the and, and you know I struggle with with that even because if a pastor like I feel like a pastor should know that the family is his first um, thing so a good pastor should be able to or should be proactive in you know finding that balance with his parents but with his with his family but you know um, I don't want to sound judgmental mm. but that's just, that's just the way it is I guess I guess in all honesty as well it's it might be something that they know or they're aware of, but the day-to-day demands of the mm. position could draw them away. Because, mm. like, you're sitting down with your family, someone calls you, oh, my sister just, like, dropped, dropped down, she's having a fit. Could you pray for us, please? And I think so, that's that's the reason why it's not always just, if I'm a pastor, I'm not a pastor on my own. I have to be pastor with my wife. Like, my, my family needs to be pastor with me as well for that same reason. So if you if you have to then go up and go, your wife is either there with you or understands and is praying mm-hmm. with you. But I think the wife has to be, their family needs to be priority and understand their role. And also I believe that in any church, even when we look at it biblically, <laughs> no church was ever pastored by one person. Yeah, no, yeah. no, there wasn't just one pastor in the, in the church. There was, there was a, there was the eldership. Yeah. So there was a group of elders who took care of preaching and teaching, and spiritually feeding the flock and stuff and even doing some practical stuff and that concept is somewhat lacking in some churches they just kind of see it as he's he's the main pastor he's the only pastor that we have everyone just kind of fluctuates underneath him filling up their roles and stuff but it's a case of it shouldn't just be one person at the top it should be a team of people who hold themselves accountable and the whole church looks still a team so if you call one person the person's like you know what I really can't Unfortunately, I really can't. Please call this person. You should be available. So, like or they can even have like rotors. Mm-hmm. As to different times, who you can call. Excuse me. Yeah. So to alleviate and allow the pastors to have time with their family, and off days, we're at call. 
rotate off days. So this person's off days on a Monday, that person's on a Tuesday, this and that, so they can actually spend the time with the family. So the church built setup should be one that encourages pastors to spend time with their family, yeah. as well as um, looking after the congregation. Um, but hey, that's that's that's. I'm not really trying to tell someone how to run their church. I'm just telling them to look in the Bible and look yeah. how to run their church. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was going to talk about capital punishment, but I think since since we're talking about families, mm-hmm. looking at this whole dynamic of this punishment mm-hmm. and families, one question I want to ask is, how does one, if you've got the whole thing of like physically um, disciplining your children, mm-hmm. how does one go about showing forgiveness or like teaching your children forgiveness? In such an environment. Mm. Mm. One one thing I remember was after the beating. (laughs) After the beating, you know, when you finish crying and you're you're in your room, like my my dad would come in and then he he would talk with you and he'd be like, "You understand why it got beaten?" (laughs) And it's like it, it it was that kind of review, and after that you let it go. I think that kind of, for me, always signaled that forgiveness. And after the point where I saw this this vine or this meme where <laughs> the kid has, the, the, the person has grown, it was like, oh, that moment when you when you can resist the power or something like that. And the, mm. the dad was beating the guy and he'd grown up too much, so it wasn't effective and normal. <laughs> and it wasn't giving that any sign of thinking. I think once you get to that point where it's not about, Beaten isn't the most effective way to to get a point across. Um, then the conversations happen, and again, once those conversations happen, um, you let it go. And I think th- that that aspect of letting something go, and it's like, okay, this thing has been dealt with. We're moving on. That's where you see that forgiveness. That your 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 wrongdoings are no longer remembered. Of course, in an African household, no wrongdoing is forgotten. <laughs> you you get to 87, you go back to your dad, do you remember that time you did this? You always don't listen. (laughs) Or something will come up and they'll bring back everything. But I think that letting go aspect of things kind of always let me know that, okay, I've been forgiven for this. Or I've paid my my fees for this. And we can move on. So what about the other way around? How how does a child learn to forgive their parent for beating them? You see, I think... I, I don't know what um, what uh, more you'd say about this being a counsellor. I don't think kids... I didn't. My brother did it. My sister didn't. I don't know anyone that's held on to getting beaten as a kid. Like, like, like for, for, for in honest, because there was... <laughs> Oh, I'm, are you guys? Are you guys not forgiven? Nah, like, nah. you know, now that we're older, we can look back and like laugh about it. Yeah, but then no, but, but then also like even, even as a child, like I felt like there was always an understanding. Like I did this, and I got beaten. Like it was never. I mean, I, maybe I don't know anyone that was. Oh, actually, I do know some people that were abused. Um, but they they were different. But there was never a case of. Like, my dad beat me and I don't understand. Like, you know, why did you go and steal the chicken from the soup? Like, <laughs> like, you know, you know why you got beaten. And I think knowing that, uh, you know, no, knowing that always meant it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. It was, I did this, I got this, we move on. I don't do that again or I don't get caught doing it again. <laughs> but, then what, but then what if you thought that 
the punishment wasn't was too much for what you did. Oh no, but every single time I did something wrong, I thought the punishment was too much. <laughs> why, why are you lashing me? Because I went to my friend's house and I didn't come back on time. Like, come on. I don't want it in the moment. But again, it was a, a thing of I, I knew I had done something wrong. I knew what I had done wrong. I knew why I was getting the lashes. When we do that recap thing afterwards, when it comes to sit there, I understand what he's saying. So it was, it was always a matter of, you know, I, I can let it go because... I brought it upon myself Ooh. almost and it all sounds like abuse but no it, it was it was that thing where you, you, you genuinely know you've done something wrong and you weren't you, you weren't getting beaten for no reason it wasn't he comes home drunk and it's like putting the pause on you <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> Kevin Hart reference for those that don't know it, it was never that and I think that's a different case that's abuse but where it's discipline where you know you've done something wrong you, you let it go because you either don't do that again or you don't get caught doing it again whichever one you know you, you find yourself one, one phrase you said a couple of times in that was letting go mm. and I think that there's a distinction between letting something go and forgiving someone mm. for doing something to you mm. and I feel like we've, we've 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 gotten to the stage in Christianity where letting go has become has become synonymous mm-hmm. with forgiveness mm. but it's not mm-hmm. quite the case mm-hmm. It is. Um, I was saying, I, I I know someone who who still holds on to holds on to a grudge of being beaten. I'm not going to say the story. I'm not going to mention names. Mm. But um, but then just just out of interest, do they understand why they were getting beaten? He understands why he was getting beaten, but he doesn't think the beating was justified, and mm. that's why he still holds a grudge. Okay. And was it like, just one time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> From, from from what I from what I've, from I've been told anyways, but it's a case of he said um, yeah when he was saying it we we're just having a casual conversation and I could sense that and it must be it's a case of it's a case of <laughs> we were on the tram when he said it yeah I couldn't help but laugh oh fee <laughs> I couldn't I'm like you know what I apologize yeah. I'm not trying to mock you but like it's actually funny. <laughs> Funny. And the thing is, yeah, there was an African sitting in a little booth thing that was sitting in, yeah. You said it. I, I, was, I was trying to hold it in. And you got off. The African looked at me and he started messing up laughing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And it's a case of, yeah, I could sense the animosity. Yeah, I just said I'm not trying to mock him or nothing like that because I'm not. I didn't laugh at him behind his back. I laughed. I was like, "Yo, his peak is deep, yeah, but it's funny at the same time." I'm not gonna laugh. Mm. <laughs> um. So I think if there's an understanding, yeah, as to all right, cool. I understand why I did why that happened, and uh, in all fairness, like, I deserve it. Then there's a tendency to be like, "All right, cool. I accept it. I'll move on." I think the forgiveness can be seen from two different perspectives. The child forgiving their parent for beating them and the parent forgiving the child for doing the wrong. Mm-hmm. If you... And it could be argued, does the child need to forgive the parent for beating them, for chastising him? Mm-hmm. Do we need to forgive God for correcting us? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I don't think so. But, but 
God forgives us our sins through Christ, but he still chastises us to correct us and prevent us from doing the same mistake again. So he doesn't hold our sins against us, mm -hmm. but he still chastises us because he loves us and so we for, don't, your own good. for your own good. So it's a case of, are our parents truly beating us out of malice or because they want to correct us? Mm. And that's the distinction. Obviously, we can't speak on our parents' behalf. It's something that they need to answer for. But that's the distinction. If they're beating us out of malice, then that's not really doing any good. I they're just releasing frustration. I went through a really dark phase at one point in my secondary school where I was doing things like I was trying to be mean on a cerebral level. And so I'd see someone doing something wrong. I'd say, if they didn't listen, I would purposely not punish them. I'd purposely let them get into a habit of doing it, knowing that they're going to do that same thing at one point to someone who's not going to take it. And the effects would be much more devastating. Mm -hmm. And that, that, those situations kind of let me know how when someone, especially when they punish you out of love or when they try to chastise you out mm -hmm. of love, it's really for your own good. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really do anything for them. It's more, we don't want you to make this mistake again. You're a kid now. The consequences are, I get worried. Mm -hmm. Or the consequences are relatively minimal. But if you do that later on, if you get into the habit of doing that, you do that later on in life, the consequences could be extremely much more significant. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, yeah. So yeah, um, in terms of forgiveness, I wouldn't know if, I wouldn't know how it comes into play. Um, because if, in school, if I send a kid out, I really don't care if you forgive me or not. If you want to hold on to it, do your thing. I'll send you out. It's done. Um, but I know that if you haven't forgiven me, it's going to affect the way we interact in the future. But if you're not interacting in an appropriate manner, it's only going to happen again. Oh. But, as Peter was saying, I always try to explain yeah. I don't just try to just dish it out and just leave it on that harsh note because I've realized that explanation especially for a child goes a long way in terms of discipline so explanation accompanying the chastisement goes a long way gives a context yeah so even when I'm giving a guy a warning or caution or whatever I'll explain it to them and I'll be like, so do you understand? I'm like, yes. All right, cool. So he's got an early warning. Or I say early warning for talking during my register. Or if I've mentioned something already, I'll be like, you're talking. So what do you have now? And I'll get them to say it. Mm. So the registers in their heads that, all right, cool. This is what I was doing. This is what I've got. And normally when I do that, they correct their own behavior. And in terms of as we grow up, capital punishment, I think if we're able to get the discipline correct, whilst they're young, the values and the morals are a bit more embedded. And usually, it kind of only takes root as they grow older. Unless something drastic happens that kind of shifts them off course. Like a guy gets his heart broken, you know what? All girls aren't on it, or all girls are this. Girl gets their heart broken, all guys are this, and then they start acting a certain way. Those are quick examples, but some things that happen throughout a person's life that can kind of shift them of course um, but I think if we're able to 
as parents, as individuals, as brothers, as sisters or whatever, obviously there's no girls here, but as brothers, if we're able to help instill values and morals and appreciation for stuff in the younger generation and kind of help them work at it as they grow up, it should prevent most of the issues as they're growing up in terms of behaviour-wise. Uh, I'm curious, Rob, did you ever get beaten as a kid? All the time. That's <laughs> it, all the time. I remember, with me, oh, jeez, this memories. <laughs> Do you remember in McDonald's, they had the balloons? <laughs> <laughs> and then the balloons came with the so sticks. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said it, I knew where you are going. As yeah. soon as you said it. So that was my mum's choice of weapon. <laughs> well, and, you know. and it doesn't even stop there. It had a name. <laughs> I don't even know where the name came from. <laughs> but but we called it Mr. Thomas. <laughs> so literally it was like, okay, when we get home, we're gonna get Mr. Thomas. <laughs> that's, what it, that's what it was. Your mom's a G. No one's ever ruined the whole moment from that moment. <laughs> as soon as they say, you know, when you go home, something's waiting for you, it just ruins the rest of the day. Yeah. Um, and and have you have you forgiven that? Oh but how do you feel about that at the moment? Right now. Like I'm older mm. and like the pain is gone. I'm not, I'm not feeling the pain of the beast anymore. So yeah. I, I, I can look back at it and mm. laugh. Mm. But back then, I don't know. I wanted to ask you a question actually. Uh-huh. You're asking me if I forgave. The question mm. I want to ask is, is forgiveness forgiveness if the person hasn't, been, hasn't asked you to forgive them? Yeah, well. Or, a better question, is, is it biblically forgiving someone if someone hasn't asked you to forgive them before you forgive them? I think God. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at more because uh, yeah, that debate is gonna happen. But when Christ died, and He died for all sinners, and He died for us before we were formed in our mother's wombs, um, He knew us and He'd forgiven us. Uh, his His death and that provision that He made for us was even before we had the opportunity to sin, or before we were born and had opportunity to sin. So, our, our acceptance of it, and I think, though probably misplaced, but one aim, I think, of the sinner's prayer is is to acknowledge that and, and to um, to ask or to, to um, you know, you're asking for forgiveness that's essentially already been given in Christ, and, and you're, you're, you're um, responding to it. But I think as, you know, with kids... Growing up and being beaten by my, you know, being by my parents or whatever, they really haven't done anything wrong. They don't need the forgiveness. You forgiving them, I, I think that's that's the thing. I wouldn't even say kids need to forgive their parents. You just need to understand what foolishness you did to deserve the the, the lashes. No, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it was it was unjustified. Do you do you do you think so? I think so. Mm. I think so. I I I, I think at one time. And another, we've all thought that, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why? Oh, I mean, that's the thing. Like, like I said, in the moment, it's hard to see how it's justified. It's hard to see that. It's just, you know, you did something. More often than not, anyway, you know, I'm speaking in general terms, yeah. But at least I always knew I had done something. And, and so when I was doing it, I'd know what's coming afterwards. Or, you know, when, when I'm getting back home, when I can see through the gates that my dad's car is already in the house and I <laughs> and he got home before me, I know that I've got trouble. So if I haven't got a good lullaby, I know what's what's coming. Alibi? Alib- yeah, alibi. No, not alibi even. Like if I haven't got a good reason, I think it's alibi, yeah. yeah alibi. Did I say lullaby? You said lullaby. I said lullaby. <laughs> <laughs> We're tired. 
if I know I haven't got you know a good a good reason a good alibi, I know what's coming already. So it's not a matter of me forgiving them for that beating. Like when, when maybe when you're kids you don't see it, but especially when you look back and you think all of these things were done really for my own good. You can actually see why you you remember what you did wrong, you remember what came afterwards. I think. Kids don't need to forgive their parents. They need to understand the reason why those beatings were given. Now, if there's abuse or if there's um, an abuse of that power, even by a good parent, then I think forgiveness needs to come in. But even then, it's not for the benefit of your parents. It's for the benefit of the person. Because when you hold on to such things, it hurts you. You know, And that person could be doing whatever they need to do. They could forget about it altogether. And you holding on to it is only detrimental to you. So that forgiveness then is actually for your benefit as opposed to for the person who does something wrong against you. A bit of a tangent, sorry, just quickly. Can I add to that as well, please? Yeah, just a just, just quick tangent. Is it abuse of power if you're in your room and your parent calls you from from your room for nonsense? It's, it's, it's teaching humility. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I can see it. Because it's frustrating as hell. But it's teaching you humility. Just keep quiet and you do what you do. <laughs> you can't take the, the, the TV remote that's right next to them and give it to them. Yeah. No, yeah, no. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say as well, in line with the forgiveness stuff, um, as Peter said, like, towards the end, forgiveness isn't necessarily for the person's benefit, but for yours. Um, it's, as Peter said initially, that in Christ we have been forgiven. Well, the elect have been forgiven. Here we go. That, that I will say. But Here we go. We're, we're, we're going to just. But he said that like, the sins of the whole world have been forgiven. Uh-huh. That's what the Bible says. Um, sins of the world have been forgiven. But it, it only applies. It's like he makes salvation possible, but it's only applicable to those who. Are, but that's that's a different. <laughs> to those who's elected. That's, and that's, that's a different topic. And that, that is what the Bible says. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> this is not a lot of us. Hey, <laughs> the tension is building at the room, but at this moment, it's a case of the reason I mention that is because. So, I've done you wrong, uh-huh. as in me, more done Robert wrong, and you're holding on to it. I don't have the consciousness that I've done you wrong. And mm. I'm just living with it, and you're holding on to it. It's doing you more harm than it's doing me. And when you get to when you get to a point where you've forgiven me, since I'm not conscious of my wrongdoing against you, I'm still living in a somewhat freedom state of mind. Mm-hmm. But when I then come to know that oh rah I've wronged you and I want to come and apologize mm-hmm. and then you say to me, Yo, I've forgiven you already. That then frees me from my now guilty conscience. Mm. And that's somewhat what has happened in God through Christ, where we've wronged God, but because of our darkened minds, we're content just walking around in our sins. We enjoy our sins, so we're not necessarily aware that we have wronged the holy God. Mm. Even if we are, we don't really care. Mm. But only through the conviction of the Holy Spirit we realise that, yo... It's actually much deeper than what I thought it is. Yeah. So let me go and actually apologise. Let me go and say, God, I have wronged you. Mm. And that's when we meet the grace in Christ, where it's like, yes, you have wronged me. The, God, the cross does not do away with our sins, but it says, yes, 
you have wronged me, but every single one of your wrongdoings has been nailed onto the cross. Past, future, present has been nailed onto the cross. And through that, you can now receive my grace. And it's, it's kind of like the same in terms of forgiveness out for us. It frees us knowing that um, vengeance is for the Lord. If, the per- if there needs to be vengeance in that situation, vengeance is for the Lord. Yeah. For me, Christ calls me to love my neighbor and not to um, repay evil for evil, but to repay evil with good. Mm. And tangible stuff like that. So it's it, it frees, as Peter said, it frees the person who who's holding on to it, and it it heals you. It allows you to walk in love as God calls us to walk in love. That's the primary quality of a Christian that we ought to be known for. Mm. But it's a shame. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's. I would say we don't. The person doesn't need to know that they've been forgiven or even receive their forgiveness for you to have truly forgiven them. Yeah. If they do receive it and they do come to know of it, then your forgiveness has kind of gone full circle. Yeah. But even if it hasn't gone full circle, you you still forgiven them. Okay. Mm. If that, do you agree? Do you disagree? I disagree. Okay. Share, please. <laughs> um. I feel like if you you forgive someone mm-hmm. without them asking for your forgiveness, it's not really forgiveness. It's it's, it's letting go of a situation. Mm. And like, because if we look at how God forgives us, God only forgives us after we ask for forgiveness. Like, if you look at if, if you go back to Old Testament, whenever people wanted to be forgiven, they gave a sacrifice as a mm-hmm. as, as like an offer as a like like, like a symbol mm. that they want to be forgiven. We go to the New Testament. God didn't forgive us for our sins until Jesus died for us mm-hmm. as a I'm sorry for all our sins. Would you agree with that? Not quite. Why not? It's because um, the forgiveness aspect of it is in, in, in my just thinking about it now the forgiveness aspect of it is allowing you to 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 take on the righteousness that Christ has, and I, and I say that to say this: when in the Old Testament, when they would bring a sacrifice, it was so that penance would be paid, mm-hmm. because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. But the the you know sin results in death. This is like a principle that God has stated, and so sin will always have to result in death. The forgiveness is. Where that death doesn't have to be yours, if that makes sense. And so mm-hmm. people would bring lamb and stuff like that, and and chickens and whatever, <laughs> and and they'll get they'll get killed, you know. And there was the whole ritual of putting your hand on the goat's head so the goat will take on your the sin, and then they you know gonna. With Christ, it's a similar thing, you know, the lamb that was slain, mm-hmm. where all our sins are punished. They are punished. Every every sin, everything that you would ever do is punished. But it was punished in the body of Christ. There was shedding of blood. Christ shed his blood. So there was that punishment. However, the forgiveness is now the facility that allows me to not, not claim that as my own, but accept that as also as, as being mine. And I believe Christ did that for everyone. 
and then through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you recognize that that facility is there for you, and so now you are reconciled onto the Father. If that makes sense. Can I ask a question? Mm. Is it any time in the Bible where someone was forgiven before, but um, without asking for forgiveness? Mm-hmm. That's the question. Yeah, I've answered the question. Yeah, the guy who was paralyzed when Jesus was in the uh, thing, the guy who was lowered from the roof, mm. and they said, "Heal him." You said, "Your sins have been forgiven." He didn't ask for sins to be forgiven. Yeah, yeah. he didn't ask for sins to be forgiven. No, no, no. Yeah, he, he, was, he was asking. He said his sins was forgiven. But hold on, give me a second. <laughs> I'll come back to that. <laughs> I have to go back to that story. They, I don't want to say anything about going, going, going back to the story. Okay. Mm. We'll get back to Because they even said, who is this man who can forgive, forgive sins? sins? And then he said, you know, so that you know mm-hmm. that I have both power to forgive sins. And he said, it's easier to say that. But also, now, get up and walk. Yeah. So that was a separate thing. And he'd forgiven him without his him asking for his sins to be forgiven. Okay. But that, that's, a, that's a very specific, very good example as well. Okay. Um... And it's 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 repeated. Um, when Jesus was crucified, yeah. yeah. When Jesus was crucified and the two thieves were beside him, the guy said, "Remember me in paradise." Now he didn't. He didn't ask for forgiveness, but you can see from his speech that he was penitent. If yeah, and Christ said, "You believe me in paradise," so he just said, "Remember me." Christ said, you believe me. So he didn't say, forgive me. But in Christ saying, you will be with me in paradise, that means mate, your sins are forg- I have forgiven you your sins and you will be with me before God. Mm. Mm. So there, there are tangible... And um, the woman who cried on Jesus' feet, washed washed his feet with her tears and then wiped it with her, with her hair. They were like, oh, the Pharisees were like, oh, she's a sinner. If you knew what manner of woman was crying at your feet, you would have told her to leave. And he, he said her sins were many, but they've all been forgiven. So these were instances where they didn't really ask for it. They didn't tangibly ask for it. But you can see that their hearts were broken. Mm-hmm. But the guy who was on the map, he didn't even speak. It was his friends that were speaking on his behalf. And Jesus said, your, your sins have been forgiven. So it's... And I think it's easy as well to, the reverse of it is easy as well to say, oh yeah, I forgive you and still hold on to it mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. still hold on to even the bitterness and the mm-hmm. pain. And I think that's where forgiveness in and of itself is even a thing that I think is only possible by God anyway. Because mm-hmm. to be able to let go of the pain that someone has caused you, it's not an easy feat. And as he take time heals our wounds, but actually the way I see it, time just helps you get used to it. It doesn't actually heal anything. It doesn't. You just get used to the pain or it just becomes normal to you. But for that pain to be removed, for that um, bitterness to actually be lifted from a person, I think that's something that God does. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, when the Bible says, forgive us as we forgive one another, I think Christ draws our attention to the fact that no matter what someone has done to you, you've done worse to God. Mm-hmm. And if he's forgiving you, you should be prepared to forgive them yeah. but that comes from God in and of itself even the parable of the wicked servant, the servant. who the master mm. had forgiven um, like a tremendous Millions amount of debt and he, and then he <laughs> held up his, <laughs> his friend um, yeah. I was going to say uh, right in that story both times forgiveness was asked for before forgiveness was given or not given yeah yeah true 
True. But the point that Pia was making in terms of um, we can um, we're able to forgive or to love as we have received God's love or God's forgiveness. Mm. Um, and yes, what I was gonna say is like um, bitterness or unforgiveness. It's like a venom in our system. Mm. We can't take it out. Mm. God needs to take it out. And it's a case of if we don't forgive. And if if we don't if we if we still if we're still harboring that bitterness, we're still allowing that venom to run through our system, and in time, it only festers, it only breeds, it only affects different areas of our lives in different ways. So we get used to it, but it just manipulates different things in different areas in our lives, and then it just gets to a point where it starts to eat away at things without us really knowing, until something or someone points it out that yo. Like your bitterness is starting to affect these parts of your life. Normally, in Christian, in even my life, God has been pointing that out that you unforgiveness here, this and that, and it's affecting these areas of your life. Mm. Um, so when, so when such unforgiveness is pointed out to you, how do you go about dealing with it? For me, it's primarily acknowledging it. I mean, like, yo, you know what? And then praying about it. Um, I don't know. I can't give, like, say, yeah, pray about it, then do this, do that. Shake your head five times, and then it's going to go. I can't really say that. One thing that I have heard a preacher say is if you can describe how God used you, then it wasn't God using you. You are following principles, or you are following steps. To get Say that one more time. If you can describe state step for step how God used you to do what to do anything, okay, then it, it wasn't God using you. I don't know if I. It, it might it might not necessarily be for anything, but in terms of ministry, anyways, in terms of like, um, you know what? I fasted for five days. Yeah, I get the sentiment. I, came, I, get the sentiment, I, I laid yeah. hands on this person mm. and they were healed. Okay, okay. Mm. okay you okay, need okay. to follow these steps, and mm. the per- people get healed. It wasn't God. It, it was you just following whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you can be like, here, yeah, like, I woke up five o'clock in the morning and I studied for my exams. I prayed, but I still studied and I passed. You can give those steps. But even in terms then, of, even then, because we've studied for exams yeah, and, and failed. failed. <laughs> so, you got your six lashes, remember? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a case of, like, in, in terms of the supernatural, in terms of the supernatural, if you can tell, if you can say step by step what you did. Mm. To make something happen, the more than likely mm. it wasn't God. So that it, it applies supernaturally, and I believe that true healing is something for me, anyways, has been something that has been supernatural. Um, I think just in adding to that, like there's something really significant about the Bible saying that the Holy Spirit will make prayers out of our groans mm. and and one thing that I'm, be- I'm realising a lot more this year especially is um, the need to just pray like I don't necessarily have practical solutions to a lot of my problems mm. I just have prayer I just have literally praying and sometimes not even having the words to pray because something could weigh down on you so much you can't pray you can only groan and and you're groaning at God and the Holy Spirit makes prayers out of that and those solutions, those problems get get solved so I think especially if someone's pointed out to you uh, an unforgiveness or a bitterness in your heart I think pray about it like definitely 
that's the first thing. Obviously, there might be practical things that you know might come describing it, acknowledging it, whatever. There might be different things for different people, but I think pray about it. Definitely pray about it because, yeah, that for me, that's 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 one thing that I think is universally it works for everyone. Pray, talk to God about it. You know? No, definitely. Mm, you should definitely give. Give, just, just give it over to God yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. because like like you can pray about something and still yeah. uh, uh, still keep it in your heart so, so, someone described every single time I worry about this thing that I've prayed for it's like going to take it from God's hands because like no just hold on I need to see if I can fix this again okay no I'm going to give it back to you and uh, no hold on I'm just going to I'm worrying about this so let me just take it and look at it like now nah, leave it like you said yeah. leave it give it yeah. to God leave it yeah. then he will do his thing can you imagine like a girl would get her heart broken this is the thing we're not forgiving you get your heart broken by one you get your heart broken by ten guys yeah cool <laughs> and then you start walking around like all oh, guys are dogs whatever 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 whatever. and you are missing out on possibly meeting a good guy mm-hmm. and these dogs that are they're going on with their lives like continue what they're doing you know they're, they're doing what they're doing they don't care about you and you're carrying their their problems mm-hmm. with you like Nah, like let that go. Pray about it, and, and let God heal you. Like so, uh, similar to what? No, nah, exactly what he said. Yeah. Um, I got into a little madness with a black girl <laughs> when I was younger. Oh, me! I was just, I was just flinging out there. Hey, black girl magic. It's all good. <laughs> Fling out there. Hashtag black girl magic. Black girls matters. But um, <laughs> black lives matter. That's it. That's it. It's, it, and it's that I was like because I got into a madness with that black girl I was just like you know what burn it I'm done you're black girls I'm just like you know what burn black girls <laughs> too much stress I'm too much stress too much attitude I'm not on it oh, no. it's just like just just drop me out I met Jamelia first conversation I don't do black girls <laughs> and she, she was like well I was just thinking okay what you think you're hot or something like, just be easy innit but I was like, I was put off so much that I just generalised my my animosity towards this girl to every girl that was black. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of lumped them into the same category. Mm-hmm. But it took literally five years for God to work on me, mm-hmm. to strip that off. Mm-hmm. And now by grace, my, my wife is black. Jeez. Straight up. And it's a case of, right, that's, that's my wife. So it's like, I have decided to follow Jesus. No. <laughs> I've decided to, like, spend the rest of my life with this girl. Mm. To grow old, grow grey, see our children's children, children's children. And it's just like, looking back, I'm just like, it must have been God. Because I was adamant. I was like, you know what? Caucasian, Asian, petite, Boom. My size, let's talk. But now it's just like specifications is out of the window. And God has done a work in me that transcends the physicality. Mm. And I can honestly say that if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be in this position. Mm. I was like that with, with Christian girls. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well he, he didn't even go race. He was religion. Let's go get some Hindu girl. Well, you know, maybe we'll save that for another time. Mm. Final question. Easy. Are you guys going to beat your kids? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Just as one more comes in, because he, he can actually speak on that. I definitely think... I, I, I see, be, like... You know, like the cane and, and you know, whatever. 
corporal punishment as a quick way to get that done, to get discipline in, to prevent a child from doing something that could potentially hurt them. But then my experience has always been there were warnings. You know, there was the first one, the second one, the third warning. You get some lashes, you know. There were, there were, there were stages to it. It wasn't just straight up drop kick. No, that, that was extreme. So I think definitely there will be room for corporal punishment in my household. Um, but I think it will, it will have to be tempered with love. It will have to be tempered with understanding. Uh, kids will need to know why they're getting beaten. Uh, but just in answering your question, yes, there will be uh, with love. And you have to remember that you're kind of strong in it, so you have to like hold back for a bit, otherwise you might <laughs> break some bones <laughs> in the process. <laughs> This girl, the whiskey low. <laughs> Kids on the floor, broken arms. Now, um, you know, honestly, I I used to say, yeah, you know what, beat them, yeah, just just beat them. You can use a smaller kid to beat the older ones. Just just, just beat now, guys. Junior, come here. <laughs> just grab his leg and you're swinging towards his older sister. But. Um, Ever since Leia was born, just looking at her and watching her character and personality develop, I'm realising that she's such a spirited character that beatings might not work on her. Damn. It's a case of, like, she, she's very passionate. Mm. So when she, once she's got something in her head that I really want to do this, there's no real deterrent. And I don't think, from the way that I see her passion for doing stuff, I don't see beatings necessarily as doing much in terms of um, getting her to not do it. Mm. I see it as it might actually lead her to do it in secret. But I see acknowledging that she wants to do these things. And then, through wisdom, granting her a safe environment in which to explore it. Um, obviously, it's not, that's not going to be applicable for everything. But sitting down with her and reasoning with her, within reason, it's, it's going to be a case of there's going to be stuff from the screen like no, this and that, blah blah blah. If it does come push, cut, does come to shove, I won't be shy of letting letting the hand touch her skin, just just real quick. <laughs> Don't let Jamila hear that though. It's a case of looking at her, I've, and even now, I've generally been praying, God, grant me the wisdom as to how to discipline That's her. That's definitely a thing, yeah. I've been praying, I need wisdom how to discipline this child. Yeah. Because I don't want to... I've seen videos where the parents um, pass his daughters, or pass his child or something like that. The preacher's daughter. The preachers who have been very strict on their daughters ended up doing things behind their backs mm. to the point where one of them actually said I want to become a stripper yeah yeah and the one preacher who was very open and tried to give his daughter room to do what she wanted to do but still counsel her she was absolutely 100% on it open and honest with her father knowing that dad might not necessarily agree with what I'm doing but he will try to give me the space to do it now, I'm not trying to replicate exactly what that pastor did, 
but I want to get something similar. And I'm praying that I'm not trying to follow his mold, but I'm following the mold that God has set out for me. I want Leia to have a safe environment in which to explore herself. And part of that safe environment is boundaries. And if the boundaries have to come in the form of beatings, then so be it. But I know that just being consistently is not going to work with her. Because she's just, she's just hard-headed. She's like her mum. <laughs> and her mum beatings didn't work with her. She just tried to outsmart her parents. Or she'd be like, I did what I wanted to do anyway, so the beatings were worth it. So I know that it's not necessarily going to work. So I'm going to have to think about ways to try to taper that. But I'm not against being. I'm just pro-wisdom in what you do. Absolutely. So not just being for being sick or being because it's been proved by those who came before us. Uh. But seeking wisdom in how you actually train up your child. I think wisdom and love. Definitely. Yeah. So I will say that's that's the route that I'm trying to take. So if wisdom says beat, what <laughs> about you? I had it doubt that I'm going to beat my kids. Mm. Oh yeah, because I think there's better ways of of getting through to them. I'm, I might not know what those ways are right now. No, no corner, yeah. No, no, no I think forget them. There's more psychological ways to. I was about to say to discipline your children. Give your kids nightmares. <laughs> not nightmares. But then, like, you have to know levels, innit? Mm. I think Naughty Corner detention never worked for me. I live in my mind too much. Like, if I'm in the Naughty Corner, I'm in my mind doing Power Rangers stuff in my head. Like, <laughs> I'm enjoying that. Like, it, it won't... Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Psychological games would be fun. Psychological games. <laughs> but still show them that I love them. Kids, and kids sleeping, I'll just <laughs> scraping my fingernails on the door. Oh, my God. Like, yo, you didn't finish your food. Guess who's gonna come for you tonight? <laughs> You're gonna find out. I'm not trying to traumatize them. <laughs> I just want them to be good, upstanding citizens. Oh you know? Well, anyway, I think we'll wrap up there for yes today. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, well, um, yeah. Well, well, Twitter, email. Twitter, the Furnace UK. Email, the Blacksmith's Furnace. Soundcloud at hotmail.co.uk. Is it on TBF? TBF Furnace. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Oh man, it's, it's late. The We're email right is TBF Furnace. You've been listening for long enough, so you should know what the email is. I'm still hey, waiting. We for get my, new users, you know. I'm still waiting for my fan, my fan mail. I'm waiting for that. Um, well, the Soundcloud at um, slash forward slash www.soundcloud.com forward slash the Blacksmith Furnace, Furnace. no apostrophe. apostrophe. You can find iTunes. us iTunes, the Blacksmith Furnace with an apostrophe. Shout out to Partners of Rhyme, Partners in Rhyme, Partners in Rhyme, www.partnersinrhyme.com. Outro, intro music, and Calvin Toro of Toro Media. Check him out on Facebook, on Twitter. Calvin Toro, Calvin Turner. Calvin Turner, sorry, Calvin Turner of Torah Media um, yeah he's a digital designer he did uh, the logo he also he's done like websites and stuff that are looking crisp like get in touch with him yeah so guys leave some comments share with your friends we would, we'd like to know if there's any topics you would like us to discuss yeah. if you want to come on the show come on the show you know easy work easy work well this is a safe, a safe environment no one's going to beat me here innit <laughs> we can come and we can talk well 
I think that's it. Mm-hmm. So this is thank you for joining us on the Blacksmith Furnace. This is us signing up. Signing up. That's the one. Blah. <laughs> <laughs>